0: Welcome to another episode of Everyday Theology, my name is Guy Parkerson, I'm here with uh, the pastor at Broadway Christian Church called, his name is Ian Pass, Ian Stamps, sorry.
1: Ian Stamps pastor,
0: Ian yeah. pastor, yeah, yeah, I get it all. Yep, so um, we kind of talked about this earlier and there's highlights of uh, your, your sermon that you preached yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um,
1: what was, what, what was the section that we read? Acts 4. Yeah, we did 23 to 31. That, that section now after uh, the guys are arrested, threatened, released, uh, commanded, do not preach anymore in the name of Jesus. And this is now their response. They go back and they report to the rest of the disciples. Here's what, what happened. I mean, how do you respond to governmental persecution? How do you respond to being ordered by the authorities who apparently at least have the power to arrest you? How do you respond when they tell you you are not allowed to preach in the name of Jesus anymore? Well, they get together and they pray and they totally dismiss all of the threats. They they don't even they don't even consider them at all. And after getting in trouble for their boldness, they simply prayed that God would make them even more bold. The profound text that is full of courage. Not threatened at all. No, they're, they're not intimidated. Mm-hmm. They're, they don't feel threatened. Uh, they simply take the threats and go to God. It's like, all right, God, you, you, you consider their threats. You, you do something about that. Or we're just going to go and... Keep preaching.
0: You know, looking back at the last couple of years, do you wish that the church would have maybe taken that approach a little bit stronger? Uh,
1: Absolutely. You know, when you when you think of what happened to churches in COVID, during COVID, post COVID, you know, there was a right sense at the beginning when churches were what when everything was closed. Um, You know, at that point, early on in twenty twenty. You know, we didn't know what we didn't know. Um, you've got numbers coming out of Italy at the beginning of you know, an eleven percent kill rate on mm-hmm. this virus, and and all of that. And, oh, they were projecting millions. Yeah, it, it, right. it was it was deadly, and they I mean it's laid out two weeks to flatten the curve, and um, you know, let's not overload hospitals. Well, it, you know, it's a health crisis, you. Mm-hmm. Churches responded with, "Well, of course we can." With love. Yeah, of yeah. course we can. You know, not meet for a couple of weeks. That's not a big deal. The internet's wonderful. We'll just shift online. Only to discover that uh, that was all uh, you know, myth. That was that was lies. Uh, that wasn't going to be two weeks. That you know, that this the world's going to shut down. And sadly, a lot of churches uh, stayed shut down and. It, it, it took a while, even for us here, to figure out what's what. What's the best way to respond? You know, we spent a lot of time praying and debating, and you know, what, what, what do we do? And you know we we opened up. We were we were out for twelve weeks. We opened back up, and you know, people were genuinely, legitimately scared. But then came governmental threats. Then came some fines. Uh, then, then came some arresting of pastors in the West. Th- that doesn't happen in the West. Yeah. You know, you've got Canadian pastors being jailed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, th- th- that happens in North Korea. That happens in China. That doesn't happen here. Well, it did. Not any longer. Not any longer. It yeah. did happen here uh, because of these trumped up you know, health violations that weren't really real, and you. Know, they're they're. It turned into this governmental intimidation factor Uh, again that was very real you know churches have tried to dismiss that no it wasn't a thing like well you know go talk to some pastors who sat in jail for just for having church Mm. uh go talk to grace church out in los angeles uh who opened back up in defiance and got sued by the city of los angeles and los angeles county and the state of california Um, and they had to fight court battles just to have church um they won all of those core okay. things, by the way. It, it all got dismissed, and rightly so. Uh, but but there, there have been hints of this from Acts 4 that's become a reality here in the West in the last two years. And I think it would have been better if more churches would have stepped up and said, Listen, we're commanded in Hebrews 10 to gather together, and we don't really care what you say about it, um, because the government doesn't run the church. You know, it's amazing those who cry separation of church and state wanted the state to control the church mm. uh, for the last couple of years. And you know, again, we, we respectfully uh, submit and, and all of that to governmental authorities until they step over their bounds and decide to tell the church what to do. A- according to God, they don't have that authority, so we, we don't answer the state. Now, is that true? So Romans, in my mind, that
0: opens up Romans 13. Yeah. So where's the dividing line? Because Romans 13, I don't have it ready, but Romans 13 basically lays out we are to follow what the government says.
1: Is sin the dividing line? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Or direct violation of God's Direct violation. You've got Romans 13. These authorities have been in place by God 1 Peter 2 that we read in the sermon, you know, be subject to the governing authorities. Uh, and again, that's the default position for the mm-hmm. believer. We, we want to be good citizens. We, we're we not, you know, rebels. Uh, Paying unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Absolutely. Right. You're happy taxes, to do that. Right. We'll, we'll do what the, the law dictates for us to do until that sphere of authority gets too big for its britches and starts you're barking orders that it doesn't have the right to bark like telling like telling churches you're not allowed you, to meet yeah. like well you don't get to decide that because god commands us that we are to meet we answer to a higher authority and there were even the uh, you know, when churches were, were coming back and beginning to meet there was a lot of well you can get together but you can only have this many people you can't sing you can't take communion you have to you know, do all this through a mask. And all of a sudden, not just are they controlling if you can meet or not, they're controlling the elements of your worship gathering. And that's just nauseating. Yeah. like the, a, a pagan government doesn't get to tell the church what it can and can't do in worship. You don't get to decide that. God decides what worship of him looks like, not the government. Uh, so, yeah, we're, we're, we're not this continual, rebellious people, you know, you got to pick what hills you're going to die on. Several years ago, I had a, a, a guy uh, just come up to me in, in the lobby, and it was one of those times where um, the, the government was threatening some Second, Second Amendment rights. Uh, you were going to take your assault rifles and, and all of that, and, you know, I, I, I like shooting guns. It's a fun hobby. Uh, I'm definitely pro-Second Amendment, all that, and most people in our area are. Mm-hmm. And uh, he and I were just you know, having this conversation about guns and shooting. Again, it's just hobbies. And uh, it's one of those waves of, well, we're going we're gonna to take away your whatever. And his response to me was, you know what I think we should do? I think we should all get our, our, our ARs and march on Springfield. Like, L- Listen, man, that's how you get killed. Like, <laughs> yeah. No, that, that, that's, we're not as believers. We're not going to rebel against the government over that. Uh, That's not a life or death issue. You don't see that in the disciples. No, they they don't do this kind of stuff. They're very submissive. Um, There's only one place where we rebel and defy. And that's when the government tells us, here's what you have to do uh, that God forbids, or here's what you can't do that God commands. When their instructions violate God's, God wins, mm, yeah. and, and that's the only time we would ever defy and rebel. Well, that kind of opens up uh, a door where I wanted to go
0: into. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. When you when you believe that God is completely sovereign, it's easier to do that uh, because yeah. um, you know you uh, you read the text where our our rebellion against God, God just kind of yeah, Psalm two, yeah. yeah. He just huffs he at just it. He just huffs at it, like <laughs> whatever. <laughs> and I mean, if God was not completely sovereign, he would, he would somewhat be shocked, surprised, mm-hmm. um, not
1: mm-hmm.
0: trying to work all this out in his head. But if it, if he knows the beginning from the end, this is
1: just yeah. If God is not fully in charge, if he's not sovereign, and again, when we use the word sovereign. You know, we, we use that even today of, yeah. of Kings, you know, we call them sovereigns. Why? Because they have total authority, total control. Uh, they are dictating what's, what's happening. So if, if God is the truly sovereign one, when it comes down to that, that rule that he has, either he's sovereign or he's not. If he's sovereign over 99%, he's not sovereign. Yeah. Sovereign is 100% control and authority. Um, and if he's if he's not fully in charge, then his plans are contingent on us. He needs us. And boy, if we don't comply, it really messes up his his, plan. his plans. Right. So is that really what's going on? Is, yeah. is, is God wringing his hands in heaven, going, Oh man, I really hope guy you know stays in line today because if he doesn't get that done, then it's got a domino effect down history, yeah. and these things now don't happen. Is God really so insecure and unpowerful that if you don't deliver, his plan is ruined? You gotta be kidding me. It just does not seem like it has any that, ring of truth to it. That, that. that is not the God of the Bible. Yeah. That is yeah. that that is presented nowhere. Because we have the benefit.
0: We've got the benefit of looking down the corridor of time now in the past. Yeah. And we see what if Pontius Pilate would have said Release him. Yeah, he's he's done. I mean, what would yeah. God's plan have looked like? I, yeah. you know, I've told you part of my conversion story mm-hmm. was um, I was sitting in the church as an atheist, and I heard um, God hardening Pharaoh's heart. I was I was like, that's that, that's <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah, how how could God do that? Right. Um, but you also see in in the text where God knows the beginning from the end. Yep. Your name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life before you even existed. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, the contention there is you also see where our free will plays a part in all of this. Mm-hmm. So the term mm-hmm. that you and I talk about a lot, there are some paradoxes. in mm-hmm. paradoxes don't mean that it's not true. Right. We just don't know. Yep. We don't know. The Trinity is no. another example of a paradox.
1: Yeah. Oh, even eternity. How do yeah. you understand eternity? Yeah. What's eternity plus one? Yeah, there's some, Yeah, there's certainly a lack of knowledge, and will be until the other side of eternity uh, on some of these things. And the other sides also have a pro- They have an issue, contention mm-hmm.
0: with free will. Um, yeah. I mean, the atheist position, they don't get a get-out-of-jail-free card um, because, like, the famous atheist professor Richard Dawkins, I mean, he's, he's famous for making the statement, uh, we just dance to our DNA. Mm-hmm. Now try that standing before a judge, you know? Yeah. Your Honor, I, 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 I robbed the bank and, and raped the teller, but it wasn't my fault. It was yeah. uh, it, my DNA determined it, that I genetic. did It's
1: genetic. right? I, I can't help it. Well, you even get that with... You, even some criminal defenses of, well, I'm predisposed to do these kinds of things. Um, well, well, yeah, we're all predisposed to sin. We're all we have a fallen human, sinful nature. Uh, so of course we're predisposed to do all of that. But people will use that as the excuse: I can do this, I can go this route because I'm predisposed mm-hmm. to it. So I can't help it.
0: You're kind of seeing that with uh, the. I hate to even say it. The pedophile movement right now. Oh they, yeah, they're using that excuse. I yeah. I can't help
1: this. This is this is the way I this am. This is how I am. Yeah. So the same logic and reasoning that caused us as a culture to turn and again as a culture to embrace uh, the homosexual agenda, tra- now transgenderism, all of that. The same arguments are being applied to pedophilia. Uh, who are you to say that this sexual orientation is wrong mm. you don't you don't get to use that standard so again once you knock down that first domino it it knocks down the rest of them right. so that that's where our culture is headed where anything and everything goes because I, i'm just functioning as i've been made or as evolution has has created me so yes there is a form of sovereign rule even on those who reject God. Um, Well, you know, the universe is kind of, that they personify is dictating these things or my DNA is dictating these things. Well, if something's dictating things, it's God. He's the one who is sovereign, in charge. All those other things are are nonsense. And that certainly comes up in the text. Um, When they, they come back, they pray, sovereign Lord, Greek word, despotes, despot, unchallengeable ruler. That's who they pray to. And then they, they get into, you. Know, they, they quote uh, Psalm 2, uh, and then they go, For truly in this city, in Jerusalem, there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel. So uh, all of these people united against Jesus Verse twenty-eight: To do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place.
0: That's Acts twenty-four
1: or Acts four twenty-seven, right there, right? Yeah, twenty-seven yeah. and twenty-eight. I mean, so, we're not making this stuff up. No, it's right out of the text. Okay. So all that happened with Jesus, uh, all of it was God's predestined plan. That wasn't Pilate who made that happen. It wasn't Herod who made that happen. God made that happen. And this isn't the first time uh, Peter dealt with that. Um, in his sermon in, on Pentecost in Acts 2, uh, he, he's talking to the crowd, uh, Acts 2, 23, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. So you see both but sides you, of the you paradox, see, you don't see you? that contention you right see there. You see divine yeah. sovereignty and human responsibility. Both of those are present. Divine sovereignty, God delivered him up. This is, this is God's plan, you killed him. Why did you kill him? Because God determined before time began that you would. So God set all of this stuff up. Uh, so what would have happened? You said earlier, what would have happened if Pilate would have said, listen, I don't care what the crowd says, Jesus is getting released. So does God's plan just go out the window because Pilate didn't comply? It's nonsense. God is not waiting for Pilate to do what Pilate's going to do. God already knows what Pilate's going to do and has determined that this is how it's going to go. God set all of this up. God's a chess player, He's an eternal chess player, and all He's been doing since time began is moving the pieces around. Uh, He's in charge of getting all of this. Yet, you are personally responsible for your actions. You're not a robot. You didn't wake up this morning and turn to you know page whatever and like all right well I have to wear this shirt today I have to I have to go to work and here's the route I'm gonna go and uh, here's all of this here's the the socks I'm gonna wear because God preordained all of this that that's taken these views to an unbiblical extreme because you chose when to get up this morning you chose to put on that shirt you chose those shoes and you're, you're gonna choose all these things throughout the day so there's God's plan and your choice that are held in tension together throughout all of Scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, so God's in charge. You're not. But you do have a form of free will that's, that's yours, that makes decisions every single day. Um, that doesn't, the fact that God is in charge doesn't dismiss us from responsibility before God. Yeah, you know, and uh, you and I
0: talked about this in the past, and and, because when I came to this reform position, um, I started to recognize like little things that, uh, for example, how I would pray. Mm -hmm. Um, I am constantly praying. Like I have, I have unbelievers in my family. I am, I am praying, Lord, not your will, (laughs) or not my will, but your will be done. save this family member, um, Mm -hmm. change their heart. Mm -hmm. I am, I mean, I don't even know how to pray without God asking God to be sovereign.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You, you definitely pray like a Calvinist. Mm -hmm. Most people do. Yeah. God step in, God do this, God, you're in charge. We, We pray like that. And then we like to pretend, uh, that I'm really in charge, that, that I'm, I'm determining all of this but in reality, when we're standing before God, we know we know who's sovereign. We we know who's in charge, because you know for those lost family members, you're not praying, uh, God help me to have the best argument possible, so that I can convince them to become a Christian. Yeah, because you know ultimately you are powerless to convince them, because there is no argument in the world that's enough to wake up a dead soul. Uh, to bring new life uh, to, to someone who's spiritually dead, you don't have that power. And, and the arrogance of some, and, and I genuinely think that's what it is. I, I don't think they would have articulated it that way, and I hope maybe they begin to see it, to think I am such an effective evangelist or I am such a faithful Christian that y- you as a non-Christian, you know what you need? You need a conversation with me because I can convince you, um, I'll convict you of this. That's nonsense. You aren't that special. You don't have that power to bring new life to a soul. Only God can do that. Now, it may appear that, hey, I preach a sermon, someone becomes a Christian. Well, who's responsible for their salvation? Is it me? You gotta be kidding me! Of course not. Yeah. If God doesn't flip that switch, it's it's out. God used that sermon as a seed that God planted. He used your conversation, your argument, a, a video you sent from YouTube. Who knows? And how gracious does that sound? Yes. The fact that God would w- want to use He me would in do all yes. And don't I want to be a part of that? Oh, this is why we share the gospel. Yeah. This is why we we talk to people about the reality of sin and what Scripture teaches. This is why we. When we watch a little clip on YouTube, we think, oh, this would really help that person. They've they've mentioned this is one of their barriers to faith. Well, I'm going to send that to them. Is that what did it to save them? No, YouTube doesn't save anybody. No, because I've Uh, done that. Yes, that's not what does it. I've seen it on both sides. God can use that, Mm -hmm. and he does. So that's why we do it. That's how we're faithful.
0: Yeah, and, you know, I I envision myself uh, standing before God, you know, on the, on the day that I pass from this life to the next. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think arrogant is a great word. What sounds more arrogant? Me standing before God and saying, look what I did. I figured it out. I figured it out. <laughs> um, or, Lord, yeah. you, you had a plan.
1: Yeah. And um, only because of you I'm mm-hmm. here. Thank you. So you, you have this incredible story, which if you don't know Guy well, you need, you, you need to get his story you got such an, an interesting conversion account and how the Lord uh, moved. A lot of it had to do with some podcasts. So you're an atheist sitting in church, which uh, ought to perk up the ears of our listeners. <laughs> yeah. You're an atheist sitting in church. Okay. Uh, you're not a believer, but you're there you, even before you're trying to figure some things out. You're still there. It's the right thing to do. Uh, so you're not Making a convert. Making you wife happy. Yes. You, yeah, yeah. You're, 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 it, which is a good thing, you know, wonderful wonderful husband uh, to do that. Yet you don't believe. You hear a sermon on a very non-evangelistic text on mm-hmm. the Romans 9 mm-hmm. uh, of of God hardening Pharaoh's heart that he can do if he wants cuz you know, he's the potter worth the clay, so he he can do this. And that kind of pushes you on a path and you start listening to a bunch of podcasts, Christians versus atheism. Yeah, yeah. so you cuz you, cause you the nature of your job, you can listen to all this stuff as you're driving around all day. I know just
0: as many atheistic evangelists than I do.
1: Christians. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, it's amazing how that works. So you come into contact with some theologians, R.C. Sproul, for example, among others, and you start listening to these podcasts, and you're hearing what they're teaching, and over the, the process of a pretty good amount of time, you come to this conclusion, oh my goodness, I... I think I'm a Christian. I, I, I believe this stuff now. So you now don't sit in this chair and say, you know who's responsible for me being saved? R.C. Sproul. No. You know who's responsible? Me because I picked that podcast. You don't say any of those things. You acknowledge that behind all of that, God set all of that up. It has to be that way because no person is able to do that, Right. I was unable. There's no way you could no. have done that. And there is no theologian who's smart enough. There's no evangelist who's convincing enough uh, to convert you. God moved through all of that. And you noticed over time, uh, like a dimmer switch. You, you've used that image before. Yeah. It wasn't a single flip. It was like a dimmer switch slowly being raised. A two-year
0: dimmer switch. Yeah, the yeah. lights came on. Yeah.
1: How incredible that is. What a, what a cool story. But who's responsible? Not me. Yeah.
0: Not me. And not R.C. Sproul and not Ian Stamps. Nope. Nope. Um, you know, it's been, it's been a blessing to sit on the shoulders of giants, and you're one of those giants. You oh, know. well, uh, you're very it's, kind. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's wonderful to watch God work. And, and Yeah. And from the Calvinist reform position, I can honestly say it's amazing to watch God work, because this ain't
1: me. It, it, it can't be. Yeah. It just can't be. Uh, because at the end of the day, because I, I, I love how you frame it up, When I stand before God, am I really going to say, man, I figured this out? I'm so smart. Uh, Because even saying it, people will go, oh, that just sounds terrible. Terrible. Oh, man, I've never thought of it that way before because they've never said it out loud. But that's honestly how they operate. I I figured this out. I'm smart. Uh, I listened to the right things. I read the right books. No. God... God set all of this stuff up. He is ultimately re- responsible for it all.
0: He's been steering the ship for, for, since my life began. Yeah. And, well, and, yep, and Acts 4
1: simply proves it yet again, because uh, again, when you're looking for it, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Sometimes explicitly in Acts 4.28, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Other times it's a bit more implicit, not explicit. You, If you read, again, go back through just what we've covered so far in Acts, Peter's speeches and his sermons, uh, all of this talk of all of these scriptures had to be fulfilled. They had to be fulfilled. They had to be fulfilled. Well, we can look back, oh, oh, that's cool. Yes, fulfillment of prophecy and all that. What does that point us to? That points us to a God who's so sovereign and in charge that he's hundreds of years before these things take place He's already got it in print. This is what's going down. Mm -hmm. Only a sovereign God can do that. A God who's not in charge can't predict
0: that. And it's you know, we're running out of time. But it is blatantly obvious when the Holy Spirit descends on the disciples. If you don't see God flipping a switch, a little bit of a dimmer, Mm -hmm. you literally see the change that um, that that is made. um, I mean. They were
1: transformed. Yeah. They are transformed. Different people. How does Peter go from the bumbling idiot of the Gospels into this, to this powerhouse of a preacher and a theologian? That we're now seeing. Yeah, so again, this one who stands so boldly in front of the council and testifies to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus is the same man who ran like a little girl, scared and hid from the same council, Uh, because he was scared they were going to kill him. He denied Jesus because he was scared of that group of people. And yet now here he stands a few months later in front of this group who killed Jesus saying, yeah, you killed him. God raised him from the dead, so you should repent of that sin and trust in the risen Christ. What explains that? Acts 2 explains that. Acts 2 explains that. Yep. Ian, we didn't get get nearly as far as we wanted to. We ran out of time. Well, we just, you know. Yeah. That's all right. We keep talking about all this other stuff. It's almost as if God's sovereign and we just like that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Thank you. It's a good thing. Happy to yeah. do it. Had fun. Yeah. Thanks. Okay. See you. See you.